Welcome into the Rebound Rundown. Today is Thursday, March 23rd, 2023. I'm your host, Paul Fritchner, and this is produced by Chatterbox Sports. This is your Daily Digest college basketball show where you can get your info on Cincinnati area college hoops every Monday through Friday in short episodes. I'm coming to you from my hotel room in Kansas City ahead of this week's Midwest Regional. Thanks to everyone who listened yesterday. The show had more downloads yesterday than any other day this season. Again, if you liked it, make sure to go subscribe, leave a rating and a review, and you help out the show. Last night, Cincinnati's season came to an end with a 74-68 loss to Utah Valley. The Bearcats struggled shooting the ball, going just 6 of 25 from 3. Landers Nolly had 23 points to lead the Bearcats. UC's season is now over, and they finish with a record of 23-13. and Because of the loss, that means Xavier is the final area team this podcast covers that is still playing basketball. The Musketeers are preparing for their 9.45 p.m. Eastern Time tip-off against Texas on Friday night in the Sweet 16. For everything you need to know about Texas, I brought on Joe Cook, the managing editor of Inside Texas. And I'll say this right now, I know that my audio sounds a little choppy, Joe's should sound fine, but I had to go back and re-record some of the questions I asked him. I did this interview on our drive out to Kansas City, we stopped at a rest stop along the way so that I could do this interview over Zoom, must not have stopped somewhere with good enough signal because for some reason the questions from me sound like I'm in a fishbowl, went back, got the idea of them, re-recorded them so you all could know what I'm asking, again, Joe's should be fine. Mine, you'll have the idea of what he's answering, no problem. Here he is, Joe Cook. Joe, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Let's get right into it, talking about the Texas Longhorns. And for Xavier fans listening, for, or for anybody listening that hasn't been exposed to Texas much this season, this is an elite basketball team. The number five on Ken Palm right now, 15th offensively, 10th defensively. They're balanced on both sides of the ball. And they're a very deep team as well. Can you give people listening that don't know the Longhorns just an overview of what to expect on Friday night? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's a very experienced team. Uh, You look at the starting five and four of them uh, have experience in college basketball. Uh, You start with Marcus Carr. Uh, I think he's a sixth year on his third school. Second year at Texas, uh, Tyrese Hunter, Iowa State transfer, second year player. Timmy Allen, fifth year player, second year at Texas from Utah. Um, the big man is Dylan DeSue, who I think everybody is familiar with now. He's a, a Vanderbilt transfer. The only freshman in, in the starting lineup is Dylan Mitchell, uh, kind of a four, kind of an energy big, uh, not a lot of offensive refinement to his game right now. Uh, and he only sees a little bit of time. And, of course, a sixth man that everybody is known, uh, everybody's familiar with as a result of his pump fake, uh, Serge Abari Rice. This is his fifth year college basketball, New Mexico State transfer, see starters minutes uh that's that's the you know the starting five number six um other guys who who regularly see the floor are christian bishop who's a creighton transfer so i bet xavier fans are pretty familiar with with his game uh and then you also have arterial morris another transfer or a freshman excuse me sees limited minutes at guard uh and then brock cunningham who uh, if you ask a big 12 fan uh they'll talk about him like they talk about perry ellis uh just a guy who's been around and um, uh, definitely fits the bill of a player who, if he's on your team, you love him. But if he's not, you're going to have a blood feud with them. Uh, Texas, you know, team wise, uh, it's not the best three point shooting team, but they can get streaky at times. 
Uh, Chris Beard, uh, when he was still the head coach, you know, he's a Bob Knight disciple, so he runs a lot of the motion offense, and Rodney Terry is definitely taking that over. But you'll see at times they'll run horn sets uh, with two guys on the elbow. Um, a difference this year, at least on offense, is they're a lot more willing to run in transition. Last year they were really slow. Uh, this year they're just, you know, they're approaching that 70 adjusted possessions per game. So they're not afraid to get out and run. Uh, usually they have three ball handle, three guys capable of handling the ball on the floor at the same time. Defense, um, they they run something called the uh, at least I don't know how unique it is in college basketball these days, but no middle. Uh, they really try to make paint touches really difficult to come by. Sometimes that hurts weak side rebounding. Sometimes that hurts uh, weak side three point defense. But overall, it's a team like you mentioned with how they do uh, how they are in Ken Palm that even if they lack you know, maybe a true seven footer or something like that, a big guy in the middle. There's enough athleticism on the team to where they feel pretty good switching a lot and pretty good feeling, uh, pretty good defending the three point line. Um, and they feel like they're also strong enough and, and tough enough or provide enough effort to battle in the post when need be. So it's, it's just a really experienced team that was put together mostly in the portal last year. A lot of them came back this year with, with high aspirations uh, aside from dropping two late games during Big 12 regular season play, this was a team that was either leading or in contention to take the regular season title from Kansas. Uh, and then even though they didn't get that, they they ended up cutting down nets in Kansas City, uh, where you're on your way to a couple couple weeks ago as part of the Big 12 tournament. So obviously, you know, Texas has had some up and downs, whether it go whether it be the end of the Rick Barnes era, whether it be all the Shaka Smart era, uh, and then a different type of up and down with Chris Beard's arrest, suspension, and eventual dismissal. But team-wise, there's no real superstar, but there are five, six, you could argue even seven players who are very good high major basketball players, and that's what has Texas here battling for a spot in the Elite Eight to try to play uh, Houston to get to Houston too. But, of course, Xavier's in the way, and uh, Texas isn't going to overlook them. We talked to a lot of the players yesterday, and they – they respect the heck out of this Musketeers team. And um, at least from the Texas perspective, you know, I thought maybe they may see a little bit of Colgate or Creighton in Xavier. Uh, they see a lot of TCU, a uh, big 12 team, at least when it had their big man on the floor. So, um, and, and obviously I think Sean Miller has been around some pretty low points in, in Texas tournament history uh, as it happens, whether it be uh, an, a five second call, uh, Texas fans will never believe it will approach five seconds or, you know, Xavier, when he was an assistant, I think, way back when in the early 2000s. So uh, a lot of history in, in Texas is looking to make history, especially with a team where a lot of pieces, no matter what happens with interim head coach Rodney Terry, they're out of eligibility anyway and won't be here next year. Texas and TCU split their regular season series. Texas won the first one back on January 11th. That was a 79-75 to Texas win. But then the Horn Frogs beat the Longhorns 75-73 on March 1st in the second-to-last regular season game. In fact, that loss to TCU was the last loss for Texas this season. Going back to talking about personnel, though, Joe, look at Dylan DeSue. He has unlocked something lately, it seems like. He's scored in double figures in all five of Texas's postseason games, and he's coming off a season-high 28 against Penn State. Is he doing something differently right now to get to this level of where he's playing? It, it, some of it goes back to last year. when he Or during that 20, 
20 and 21 season, he was still at Vanderbilt. He was the team's leading rebounder for the Commodores, and he suffered a pretty serious knee injury. Uh, so he enters the portal. Uh, he's from the Austin area uh, and ends up transferring back to Texas, but doesn't really get going full swing until probably February of 2022. Um, and he had a pretty solid tournament. Um, and then he comes into this season, you know, goes through the NBA draft process for more information, comes back and uh, decides to, to stay at Texas for his, his fourth year. Um, he, he, he was in the starting lineup for all but one game, and that was the game he was banged up in. And he's always been a player who, even dating back to his high school days, he was at an uh, Austin area school called Pflugerville Henderson. He didn't – he always felt pretty comfortable stepping back and being willing to shoot the three. I think what you're seeing now, though, is just this mastery in the mid-range that um, Penn State almost allowed him to play. Texas has experienced guards. They've got guards who have played several tournament games, a lot of conference tournament games. You know, even Serge Jabari Rice, like I mentioned, he's someone whose path to the NCAA tournament with New Mexico State in recent years was always a do-or-die affair playing in the WAC. Uh, so the guards get a lot of attention. And they did, rightfully so, and they got a lot of attention from uh, Penn State in that round of 32 game. They dared Dylan DeSue to say, look, go 14 of 20. Go pull down 10 rebounds. If you do that, well, we'll tip our cap to you. And that's exactly what he did. Um, but over the last, I guess, month of the season, he's shown an ability in the mid-range that um, it's not just teams that, you know, decide to pick poison and leave him to – operate against their big one-on-one he's been able to do things like getting the foul line extended get in the lane throw some baby hooks up uh, and then of course he can pull all the way back and, and shoot from three and he did that when he had a really big game against Baylor at Baylor so um, and at this point because of how well he's played Texas was very guard centric but now they're they're willing to just say hey you know if this possession isn't going anywhere and there's you know, eight or nine seconds on the shot clock we know that Tasu can go ahead and maybe get a bucket, get a good look at least, as opposed to dribbling around the perimeter. So his ability to become a scoring threat, um, honestly, you know, he's never going to beat anybody off the dribble. But whenever he gets the ball at whatever level it could be, he, he is a decent threat in his hands. And especially against the, uh, the, the Xavier 7 or 6'11 guy, Nunge, that'll be key. If he can hit like one or two three-pointers, That'll be a, that'll make that Xavier defense look a lot different because if you've got a 6'11 guy marching out to the top of the key, then it, it all changes. That, that's someone I know uh, – I, I haven't watched a ton of Musketeer basketball, but I can anticipate that's someone they want standing and, and defending the rim and not really being pulled out to the perimeter. So Disu and, and his ability to become a three-level scorer, uh, of course, with help from – uh, entry passes and the like has has really changed how teams defend Texas because it it has become a well do we let this guy go do we let this guy go it's given them some problems that are really difficult to solve and you know that's that is a hallmark of high level teams at this point of the year and Texas has one where do you expect this game to be decided I think it'll be in Texas's transition defense, you know, you, you brought up Kim Palm. I'm, I'm looking at Xavier now and uh, that tempo number 33 in Texas is they're, they're top third, they're number 100. Uh, the numbers aren't too far off. Texas 68.9 possessions. Xavier is 70.6. So, you know, that's 
a couple bounces of the ball per game, I think it'll really be Texas transition defense. And there were some points over the last part of the regular season where the Longhorns just played bad transition defense. That TCU game comes to mind, that Baylor game. Texas was ahead by a very significant margin at like the, the under 12 timeout in the first half. And Baylor, one of the best offensive teams in the country, just goes ballistic, not only in the half court, but in transition too. They shored it up in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, they shorted it up, uh, obviously, I think, against uh, uh, Colgate and Penn State. But as those numbers show, Xavier's willing to run. And if Texas can match that up, uh, get into good you know, sets and maybe make it really tough for uh, you know, a dribble-drive transition basket for the Musketeers, I think that's going to be the way because Texas, they're confident in their half-court ability on defense. And even if they do lack some size – at the at the post position or at the five, like I mentioned, they're a team that prides themselves in in battling and being tough. That only has so much limited utility, and when you know you're looking at four inches of height difference, but they feel like they can make the make it a little bit of a war in the paint. But if Texas isn't defending in transition, even with an old team, sometimes they'll get into stretches where it's like we got to run with them, we got to run with them, and and sometimes they're they're good at still doing that and making the basketball pretty fun to watch. But there are other times when it just gets into a, a little bit of a, a rut and uh, Rodney Terry has to call a timeout and, and get his guys settled in. So I, I think for, for Texas to win this game, they have to play really good transition defense. Cause if not, then there are a few guys I think on that Xavier team that can go ahead and, and punish a bad transition defense. All right, last question here for you, Joe, and I'll let you go. When you look back at Texas's losses this year, and they have eight of them, they really haven't been blowouts. Their largest loss is by 13 points, but that was to Kansas State in that 116-103 to game in early January, and you're talking about so much variance in a game like that. So now when you're looking at this Sweet 16 game, What's an area of concern for this Texas team? What is something that Xavier can do to exploit Texas defensively that you might think to yourself, uh-oh, it's halftime of this game, and I can tell it might be trending towards Xavier? Part of me wants to say three-point shooting, because I think if you watch that Penn State game, Texas only was one for 13 for three. That was after being super hot against Colgate. But they still were able to overcome it. And if not for a 10-0 run, by the Nittany Lions, that's a game where Texas feels like they kind of kept Penn State at, at at arm's length. Not, you know, not blowing them out, but definitely keeping them at arm's length. If they shoot better than one for 13 from three, that game's a little bit easier for the Longhorns to, to handle, and it's not, you know, condu- all coming down to a foul shot at the end. But that said, they still won the game. So I, I don't really want to look at at that. I think it really has to be defensive rebounding. Texas isn't really a great rebounding team. Um, they, And that was always, I think, part of what Chris Beard and even Rodney Terry knew would be something that they had to hammer home. Uh, but they, and, and I also think part of that is a little bit scheme-oriented with how they decide to help. Uh, but if they get, you know, if they lose a rebounding battle by two or three, then, you know, that's something that they can live with and, uh, especially, you know, on the defensive glass. But if a team is just destroying Texas on the offensive boards, that's when it gets tough for Texas because they're they're very good at limiting first shot opportunities, I feel like. 
But once teams start getting I mean, and I know this applies for basketball in general, but once teams start getting second and third shot opportunities, Texas really struggles and they've given up more second and third shot opportunities than a lot of, you know, teams of this caliber should. So I guess one A is is making sure they clean up the defensive glass. Timmy Allen last game, who's listed at six six but is not six six, uh, provided a lot of effort and was very active on the on the defensive glass. They need something like that again. Uh, and then I guess one B, you know, if they can hit three pointers in in the in the uh, scope of the offense and are, are forcing shots up, um, they'll that's that's going to help an offense that can. Uh, sometimes struggle from that part, and even with good two-point numbers, can find itself bogged down because they're not able to extend defenses. Thanks for joining me, Joe. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. The East and West Regionals play their semifinals tonight. In the East, Michigan State and Kansas State get things started with a 6.30 tip-off at Madison Square Garden. At 7.15, out in Las Vegas, Arkansas and UConn get going. Then at 9, the Owls of Florida Atlantic try to play spoiler against Tennessee. And in the final game of the night at 9.45, in what should be one of the best games of the Sweet 16, Gonzaga and UCLA square off for a trip to the Elite Eight. We are in for a very fun night of hoops to get the second weekend started. Time for the Stube stat of the day from David Stubenrock, or at XUStatman on Twitter. Xavier is 11-8 versus teams from the Lone Star State. They are 2-2 in the NCAA tournament versus Texas teams with a win against Texas Southern, a loss to Baylor, and a split of two games with Texas. The last Texas team they played was Texas A&M last year in the NIT championship, which, you remember, was a win for Xavier. Texas is one of three states with two teams left in the tournament, the others being California and Florida. And I'll finish the show with Paul's Pick of the Day, presented by Betfred Sportsbook. I'll take Arkansas and UConn over 140. That'll do it for today's Rebound Rundown. Thanks for listening. Have a great Thursday, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.